So is there any way that the money that Chief Zaholic stole could wind up helping out the Hunt family to maybe come up with better ideas for renovating and repurposing at the Truman Sports Complex. There's the open question of the day right there. How about that? That is, yeah. Either that or maybe it goes to the citizens of Jackson County to help pay for it. Maybe that's what it is. He's just Robin Hood and help the stadium. Yeah, him. that's it. That, that That's all he was doing. Hi, it's Coverdale. It's Burke. Mitch is headed over to Manhattan High for hoops action as the Indians tonight take on Wichita South in the 6A substate. Last night, the Manhattan girls with a win advanced to play liberal on Friday night in liberal. How far of a road trip's that? Five plus hours. Yeah, I was like, that's... I'm, I'm climbing on the bus at about nine o'clock that morning to ride down there with them. Good Lord. Which at least takes the driving away from me. True. That is very true. So yeah. Sleep um, on the bus. So if you're just joining us, first hour we talked briefly about uh, Xavier Babadar, who at one point even tried to claim that he had K-State ties. Thank goodness that was wrong. Other than fandom, yeah. I mean, honestly. Uh, Pleaded guilty, admitted to stealing more than $800,000 in the 11 bank robberies across seven states. And then laundering the proceeds through area casinos. That still amazes me. I agree. That, 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 is, a, that is a sign of, you know you're down. You know you're, you're headed for down kings. I don't know if you saw the down kings. A sports book ad on Saturday Night Live the other night. I don't think I did. You need to see. Oh, it. I think I did. I did. I do think I saw. where you can place bets on your on how your buddy's going to lose everything. Yeah, exactly. Oh my. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chiefs aholic. Man's was down. Yeah, was down's bad. I'm eight not- hundred grand and then laundering it through casinos. I'm shocked he got away with it for as long as he did. $532,000 plus in restitution, any property gained through his crimes, including the autographed painting of Patrick Mahomes that he purchased at a charity auction. And what, up to 50 years? Was that it? I thought I read that. Okay. Yeah, a maximum. That That is a maximum sentence, so the likelihood is going to be much less than that. Fair. So, But his lawyer apparently... What was on his game today? Yeah, if that's what you want to put, I, I, there's no way this lawyer wrote this. This has to be. Oh boy, he he wrote this for his lawyer. You want me to play it for you? Sure. All right. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Zaholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if 
he stumbled and he fell. He didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's Kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Thank you and God bless. The irony of this, first of all, is let's boil it down to something here. ESPN took out of that a total of four sentences. Oh, goodness. None of the flowery language about... Yeah. I, I mean, w listen, we can, we, can, we can sit here and we can laugh about that, but, I mean, he is right. Xavier was not giving up. We mm -hmm. know this to be true, yep. given that he tried to run. Yeah, 100%. Literally so, ditched the GPS monitor and tried to run. Yeah. That got him time in Leavenworth, no less. Yeah. where his options for taking in the Chiefs games were listening on a transistor radio. Yeah, I was like, probably pretty limited if I had to yeah. guess. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, the attorney, literally, it was the today was a big day, took responsibility for his actions, stood up in court humble, repentant, and admitted they used an ellipse right there, ellipsis right there, to whittle out the, that's pretty funny. That, yeah. that 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 got whittled away very quickly. I was by the ESPN.com authors. Yeah, I was taken back when I heard that. I was like, this this is what are we we're talking about a guy that was robbing banks. <laughs> and we're right. like, I just I'm sitting here, I was at a loss for words. Why in the world do you even start to go into that whole spiel? I for what reason Trying to make him be sympathetic. We appealing to football fans, I guess. There's nothing sympathetic about that statement whatsoever, and there's no appeal. No, no. This is where I get where the super fan concept around the NFL has, you know gained attention and gained some renown and all of that. Okay. But Barrel Man out in the South Stands at Mile High Stadium never robbed a bank. No. I don't think any of them did. <laughs> no other. It has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about is we, the bottom line. The Chiefs have wound up with the oddest of the odd super fans in the last decade. Everything comes at a price, I guess. You have the bank robber dressed as a wolf you have x factor whatever he called himself getting punched out at the game yep, yep. and both he and the other super fan who knocked him on his teeth being banned from games yep is it just kansas city I guess maybe it's just the super fans that are crazy. The rest of us are normal. Because you go to like, remember back in when you go out to an Oakland game, the super fans were kind of the, the tame ones. Everybody else was causing trouble. Right. Yeah. The black hole, while entertaining, they were also good fans. They were great fans. Those are the guys I want sitting in the end zones. 
right. I don't want I don't want these sweets. I want those guys in the end zone. And then on top of that, those are the guys that are winding up with the good tickets. Yeah. Yep. I mean, okay, now we know in the case of Cheesaholic how he was acquiring his. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. My goodness. So this is happening on the same day that two other Chiefs-related items come down. The first is the ho-hum visualization of what the renovations would look like at Arrowhead going forward if voters approve the extension of the sales tax in Jackson County. Quote-unquote renovations. My God, underwhelming. I agree. You can't be ranked so low on everything for your stadium and then only renovate stuff outside of it. Or for the most part, right? For the most part. That Well, that is definitely all that the pictures were. Like, we saw the end zone suites a little bit in the pictures that, you know, the, the AI images they threw together and everything. We didn't see, like, I think what Mitch said, that they were going to update, like, the concession stands and a couple other things. Obviously, they're not going to show us the new fryers they're buying and everything, but everything in those pictures were outside the stadium, outside a, of those suites. A good portion of the concession stands are going to be converted to grab-and-go markets. I've seen teams starting to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I well, think it's cool. And, and in fact, uh, the last events that I've been to in Kansas City, uh, Royals game, the Janet Jackson concert, mm. um, both they, you know, at T-Mobile you had grab-and-go, and at... Kauffman Stadium, you had it where it was grab and go, which I found interesting given the amount of alcohol that was flowing through the grab and get, uh, grab and go. Yeah, I'm curious how that part works. What the system is there? Essentially, everything is you know you're not getting your drought anymore. It's going to be can. Yeah, that makes sense. So, what if you have to scan your ID when you buy it? I would assume. Yeah, yeah, and yep. hopefully it would keep track of how many. That would be a good feature to have. That actually would be a very smart feature. Good good question. Yeah. Do they do that for the hot food, too? Like hot dogs and everything? Or is uh, it just yes. like, yeah. oh, it's everything? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They, huh. they, at least at the at the ones that I saw down on lower level, uh, left field side. And I was surprised by it because I hadn't encountered that before. Yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, was was there any lines? Did you deal with anything crazy oh, yeah. like that? Or oh yeah, not so. horrendous lines. I mean, they were moving through at a at a relatively good clip. Oh, that's good. Um, but I was reminded how tight the concourse is actually at Kauffman Stadium now, <laughs> this day and age. I bet. Here's where I got spoiled. I and I don't like making it this completely about myself. This is where I got spoiled. Um, at Coors Field. One of the local banks had a deal, and it just happened we bank with this group, one of the larger corporate chains, just for convenience sake. But they had a uh, buy one, get one 50% off ticket set up for the club level. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. You're, yeah. Your oh, eyes yeah. just lit up. Oh, yeah. So it was great because then you had, you know, you were on the club level and you had access to the concession stands and all of that, and it was well built out so that you had space to maneuver. You know, it worked really well. That's really cool. And you had cover if weather came in and caused any issues. True. So, like I said, I got spoiled in that aspect. Yeah, I don't believe. So, how many times do you end up doing that? Where you're we we the- did that probably 
five or six times. Oh, yeah. I'd be spoiled, too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, because it, it, it was easy in, easy out. You know, you, you knew that you could get a, a your, that from the concession stand, you knew what was there in terms of meal ability. You had tables that you could sit at and not have to be in your chair the entire time outside, you know, while you're waiting on the game. It was a much more relaxed approach. And the ticket the tickets weren't outrageous either yeah, in that aspect. Terrible, yeah. Especially if I want to get one fifty two. That's a deal and a half. Exactly. So it it worked well. It worked well. And so yeah, uh to go to Kauffman Stadium and be on the lower deck and what the concourses are like now, you know, and, and part of that is you're trying to cram a lot of things in on the concourse that you didn't used to have. Yep. The stores come to mind. And you're trying to maximize as much dollar signs as you can get out of every square inch. You exactly. Can and, and again, it's also that reminder of how those stadiums have aged in comparison to newer facilities on the market. I mean, Coors Field was 1995. I happened to see a game there that first year. Um, but that was part of the craze that brought us, as we talked about a little last week, brought Camden Yards online. Yep. And those stadiums have tended to hold better. And again, it's not a dramatic knock on what Kauffman Stadium is. But they've held better, held up better because a lot of the accoutrements that we expect at these games now can be managed with the space that those stadiums were designed with. Yeah, you're not trying to jam everything after the fact. 20 years after the construction of Kauffman Stadium. Yeah. And again, difference in era. Just a complete difference in, in one era of how we view those things. But... Now, there's so much that's expected when we go to the games. And what the Chiefs were out with today is, I, I it all again, as I said last hour, it almost feels like it was all an afterthought. Yeah, I the second you said that, I was like, man, that is a really, because you deal with that a lot in, in life, and I immediately, of course, my head goes to wrestling. Like, we have this grander scheme planned, and you have everything mapped out, and you're like, this is what the next six months, eight months, all these things look like. And then two minutes before game time, a week or two before game time, all of a sudden, injury happens. The Royals mm-hmm. are moving out. They're bailing to downtown. And now you're like, all right, well, mm-hmm. everything we've worked on, we have to scrap because it all had blue stuff in it. <laughs> now we have to right. make this all red. We have to figure out, they're like, just throw some extra parking lots in there. We'll do something outside to fill up some of the space. It, Yeah. I do agree with you because it doesn't look like it's great, but at the, it just doesn't make sense why they would announce it then. You know, like maybe just to get it on track for the voting here and there. But personally, it's one of those things where, you got to get this thing right. You can't send this bill in four times over with different renovations, hoping that each one, like, you got to get an idea together that you are confident in and that you think the fans are going to be happy with, and you put that to the vote, not your throwaway plan that you had to jam in because the Royals wanted to leave and go downtown. One of the things that is rather striking, and ESPN right now on SportsCenter is doing a literal, literal report on the NFLPA's report cards of the franchises. Mm -hmm. Consider that essentially the Chiefs are rated worse than the Commanders are 
in a number of areas, including ownership. Yeah, like I was shocked to see that Hunt was dead last in ownership, but I'm trying to pull up where they landed at. I saw it earlier on Twitter. Out uh, 32nd in ownership, first in head coach. Training staff, 32nd. Yep. Training room, 31st. Locker room, 28th. Oh, by the way, a little tidbit about the locker room. They were due to have renovations, but guess what happened? What's that? Playing as deep into the season as they did with the postseason, it would have compressed the construction time frame for renovations of the locker room to a point that they couldn't do the renovations. That's insane. Well, it's home to lose every once in a while. Well, you can't be <laughs> mad at us about that. Clark Hunt's sitting there like, hey, man, if you guys would just go home in the wild card every once in a while, maybe we get your locker rooms fixed. One of the things that I actually am surprised about in looking at this report card for the Chiefs, and again, this is from the Players Association. And I was really surprised to see how low other franchises scored in this area as well. Treatment of families. Consider this for a moment. 32 teams, and this is based on player survey. 32 teams. The Chiefs for treatment of families got a D+. Plus. On the report card. That was still good for 18th. That means there are 14 other franchises with worst treatment of families than a team that scored a D plus on the report card. That's not a good thing for the NFL. No. In any way, shape, or form. I did find it rather interesting that along in terms of some of the woes that the Chiefs struggle through, right there with them, the Patriots. Yep. Treatment of families, F minus. And still, that's not the worst. That was 30th. That's insane. So there's three teams at F minus? Just uh-huh. the worst grade number-wise? Uh-huh. Ownership, the Kraft family got a D plus. Team travel got a D. Training room was a C. Locker room, a C. That's the Patriots. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm sitting here looking at Kansas City. I'm like, yeah. we're looking at two different things. Okay, here. hey, Chiefs team travel, D. You want to know where they're the happiest? Head coach. No, I mean, you know what, oh. what franchises that the play, oh. the franchise that the players were the happiest? In uh, what, in travel? In all of it. All of it. Um, Let me take a stab. Hold on. Um, You're going to be surprised. I'm guessing it's it's a middle-of-the-pack team. That's what I'm going to guess. No, actually, they had a lot of success this year. They had a lot of success. Houston. I don't know. No. Just a guess. The Dolphins. Really? Ownership first. Everything was an A or above. An A- minus or above, I should say. They rated no less than eighth in any category. Head coach was eighth. Travel, A. Steven Ross has done a job with that franchise. Players are happy with that franchise. I think the only other team that comes close to like how consistent Miami was is Minnesota. Yes. 
the got, Wilf family there, yes. Yeah, they got a B and a B plus in training staff and food and cafeteria. Other than that, they are sitting at A's and A minuses across the board. And if you are one of the veteran ownership groups in the league, you're really going to find yourself maybe rethinking some of what you do because these report cards were rather harsh. The Steelers' ownership, the Rooney family got an F. Team travel got a D. Treatment of families was an F minus. Man. Hard graders, those players. Yeah, I think they are. And I think <laughs> I, I think it might also just be like, I mean, traditionally, not always traditional isn't always best. It is a lot of the times. It's definitely the most safest most of the times, but things have to evolve. And I do think that the NFL has some of those issues rooted into their owners as well, where longstanding issues that could be fixed with the snap of a finger aren't fixed because, eh, I mean. I just would not have put the Steelers, the Chiefs, or the long-term franchises. I mean, I expect the Arizona Cardinals to get an F in ownership. I mean, that's yeah. that, that's a given. Makes sense. I yeah. mean, th- that's been that way since the 30s. The fact that the Carolina Panthers aren't dead last on that is shocking to me. You know, I, so to me, the, the fact, though, that those traditional ownership groups are scoring so low really surprised me because you would expect that they were the ownership groups that understood it the best. And it's interesting because they're the ones that get painted like they are royalty in the league yep. by the media. Only to have the players Damn. maybe waking waking everybody up a little bit to, yeah, things aren't so good here. Well, yeah, because you look at, I mean, look at the media portrayal of Robert Kraft. Oh, for God. The, for the most part. For the most part. There obviously have been some blemishes. For the most part of the last 15 years, it has been... Look at this great family dynasties put together and held together for 20 years now. And then within the last three years, and I'm sure this Patriots doc that's going to come out or has come out is going to tear it all to shreds. But within the last two to three years, just between Tom, Bill, and Robert, just those three, not including anybody else, there was a lot of dissension throughout Mm -hmm. a lot of the latter years of that dynasty. And a lot of it was Robert Kraft and the way that he wanted to do things. Still amazes me that he gained ownership of that franchise strictly because he owned the parking lots. I don't know that story. He basically was, he owned the parking lots. They gained the parking lots and so that kept it from the then owner from being able to do anything in regards to parking. (laughs) So So got none of the money for parking. Just got none of the money? Or Got none of the parking money. Okay. Because all he had was stadium rights. Huh. I thought you were saying, like, they just went out there on game day and didn't let anybody park. They're like, go away. This isn't their parking no, lot. No. Okay. All of the money for parking went right to the Kraft family. Still, that is... Wow. When was that? That was in the 80s. I'm trying to remember because... I And I should be able to remember the previous owner because he was all over TV because he bought the company. He liked the shave so much, he bought the company. That's actually hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's how they were able to finance their purchase of the Patriots. Unreal. $172 million. 
Oh, here we go. Second, the the uh, second ownership before that was the uh, razor salesman. Okay, <laughs> razor salesman. Goodness. Oh, see, but that was a whole thing. That was a whole thing on on at that time. Oh my goodness, uh, because I mean, th- those were ubiquitous ads that were on. Uh, let's see here. He finally acquired the team. Okay. Da, 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 da. Uh, in 85, he leased with an option to buy a large tract of land in suburban Foxborough that surrounded Sullivan Stadium, the stadium of the Patriots. In 88, together with a partner whose interest he later bought out, he purchased the stadium. Finally acquired the team in 94. Finally. The uh, then owner had ties to the Bush family and wanted to move him to St. Louis. But that was thwarted. Thank goodness. Because they couldn't get out of the lease, so he essentially forced the sale. It's a cutthroat business. Even very, at the, very, very cutthroat business. Even at the very, very top end. Always is. All right, we need to step aside, take a time out here. I know we've got Mitch coming up in about eh, 12 minutes. We'll figure out something to chat about here following a break on the game. Hello, I'm Victor Kayam. I used to be a dedicated wet shaver until my wife bought me this Remington M3 electric shaver. They said it's two incredibly thin, flexible microscreens and 120 cutting edges would shave as close as a blade or they'd give her her money back. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed... I bought the company. You couldn't avoid the ads back then. It doesn't sound like you could. That one sounds like it <laughs> sticks in your head for a while. I liked it so much. Well, and it was his catchphrase. So that was the Patriots owner two before Kraft. He said, I like it so much I bought I, it. I bought the company. I bought the company and then I bought the team. <laughs> oh, oh man. That was, yeah. Anyway. Oh, they still uh, actually do make stuff. Imagine that. Because you sure as hell don't hear about him anymore. You're talking about Gillette? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Remington. Oh, Remington. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I hear about it, Gillette all the time. Yeah. No, this is this is the irony of the fact that it's Gillette Stadium. Oh, I see what you're saying. On top of everything else. Yes, because Remington. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so there's your, uh, there's your delve into... Uh, NFL history. NFL ownership. Commission, uh, commercial history. Commercial history, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, the, the, the days of Alcoa, moments of the game ads. Now you're just tossing stuff over my head. IBM, you make the call. Okay. I know that one. Ads, okay, yeah. It's like, I know those three letters. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old enough for that. Um, okay, yeah. Um, always at the two-minute warning, Alcoa had an ad. Fantastic finishes ad. Mm, that's that was pretty slick that's that is very good placement that was but it was always the two minute warning of the late game in the afternoon that's sick it's very good ad placement yep so there were a lot of afternoons on nbc with an afc west game anyway i'm sure of it man i'm sounding old yeah who cares (laughs) well we didn't we talked about the chiefs this whole time we haven't talked about Pending free agent situations, the tag being played. 
Yeah. You want to uh, dive into it for yeah, a second? Yeah, well, uh, we mentioned it a little today and, and primarily uh, in sports today because Veach mentioned yesterday at the Combine uh, the work that is being done. They would like to be able to maintain both Chris Jones and LeJarius Sneed, but now they're giving Sneed permission to seek a trade? Yeah, that doesn't add up very well. No. And then MVS is apparently out the door. That I think that's the right move. I like MVS. I would not be surprised to see him land back in Kansas City as long as there's no bad blood, but $12 million for what they gave him this year was just too much money. Well, but again, that was also because they were left paying what the Jets had paid him. That was still basically tied to that contract, wasn't it? Are, are you thinking of Hardman or Scanling? Oh, you're right. Yeah, with Scanling, they signed him out of free agency. I thought it was a three-year, $36 million deal from what I remember, or close to it. And it shouldn't have been a terrible deal, but he didn't produce yeah. the way they wanted him to this yeah, year. you're right. And if the goal is to keep Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed, boy, they'll restructure Harrison Butker's contract if they want to make it happen. Like, well, and, and this goes back even to last week or a couple weeks back with the move to bring in punt guard, Matt Ariza. Uh, because of the fact that Townsend ha- is a free agent. Well, there's your cheap option right there. You don't have to make any move in terms of a contract for him. Yeah. You instead have a you know low-grade pay as opposed to paying a free agent punter. I'm not a huge fan. Like, I can't. Well, I'm sitting here saying I'm not a huge fan of letting your punter walk, but uh, – that <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but more so the lines of like if you're if your real goal is to keep those three guys then or keep those two guys on defense, I think you're you're picking at pennies before you get to the dollar bills if you get what I'm saying. Like maybe restructure Patty, do some other things. The three million that you were gonna spend on Tommy Townsend, I don't think is affecting the bottom dollar of Chris Jones or Legarius Sneed. Now, if you have some other big things fall in line and you need that change to make it happen, okay, I understand where we're going here. And I get it. It's just the he's the guy that had the contract expire. Right. Obviously, they're going to they're gonna do it where they can. You, you pull the money every little way that you can. True. It's $3 million that they don't have to restructure from somebody else at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the cap hit being what the cap hit is going to be, you know, and that's even with the increase in terms of the salary cap league-wide. You're still going to have to deal with these numbers. And to try to be able to do it with players the caliber of Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed both being contract eligible. As I say, this is a salary cap league. This is what happens when you get to feeling like you have a dynasty yeah you uh come back down to earth a little bit every once in a while just a touch yeah that's how it that's how it works that's the ebbs and flows of all of this that said you know what's not a salary cap league what's that high school basketball definitely not 6a yeah right (laughs) mitch has the call coming up for manhattan high hoops we're back at it tomorrow with another edition of the game at four here on k-man for owen i'm troy good night